Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 54 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Stevie Lynn Smith is a 10 times Ironman finisher who loves dogs, endurance sports, and is always on the lookout for her next big adventure. When she's not crushing it on the course or the trails with her doggo, she's helping fuel her athletes' goals and mindset. Stevie Lynn has helped hundreds of athletes and active individuals fuel to improve their performance, energy levels, and recovery without feelings of guilt or restriction. She works for Inside Tracker, and as our pod listeners know, I'm a huge fan, client, and have been using their services for years. With fall major marathon season about to kick off, we thought these topics could be timely and help you all prepare before lacing them up at Berlin, London, Chicago, Boston, and New York City, just found out that Tokyo canceled. We discuss nutrition, on-course fueling strategies, meals to eat, race weekend, and the morning of your race, regular blood work versus a comprehensive panel from inside trackers, key biomarkers to watch, D, ferritin, potassium, magnesium, B12, cortisol, inflammation markers, playing offense versus defense, and celiac Crohn's and autoimmune diseases. My only regret is not having more time with Stevie. Definitely planning to bring her back for an even deeper dive. I hope you all enjoy this one as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Stevie Lynn Smith, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to pull this together. So, um, just uh, I'm a big fan of Inside Tracker. Uh, pretty much all of my listeners know that. I'm always making plugs for getting deep dive blood work and their biomarkers done and how important it is to know what's going on in the inside. And I thought it'd be really fun to get somebody with your experience. Um, not only, you know, on the nutritional side, but also as an athlete side, having done 10 Ironmans on the show to kind of chop it up a little and talk about, you know, not only what you're doing, you know, for your own athletic endeavors, but for clients that use Inside Tracker services that you might be advising and work with. I know you recently did a webinar with Camille Heron um, for Inside Tracker, um, which I still have to watch penalty points for me for not having watched it yet. And I'm a big Camille fan. Yes. You're honest. I'll take it. (laughs) You have to come clean. You got to come clean. This is like the confessional over here. And um, at some part also, as we get ready to dive into Abbott World Marathon major season, we would have been having six Abbott Marathon majors take place in six weeks if Tokyo hadn't canceled. But it looks like five marathons are going to take place in five weeks, which is crazy. And um, there are a lot of crazy folks like me. Um, in, in 2019, I actually did all six of them in the same year. There was only seven of us that did it. So I thought that would also be a fun topic. We don't have a lot of time today. We have less than an hour, but we're going to buzz in and out on a bunch of these things. And I want to use your expertise to um, to just try to guide people and give some good old-fashioned advice on what's working, what isn't working, as far as how we're eating on diet, how we're fueling on course, et cetera. And uh, I thought that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Man, six marathons. Woo! One year. I mean, in the majors. I don't know. I just, you know, I've done, like you said, all the Ironmans that 
there's just something about the open marathon that just hurts a little bit different. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. Well, obviously it's a big difference running off the bike, uh, especially after you rock 112 miles on the bike. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's seriously crazy and insane and, uh, mad respect. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big difference. And, um, a lot of my friends who have done a lot of Ironmans like you and are really talented have said that running a hard marathon is 10 times worse and way more painful and they suffer more. And we always kick it around because I've got a lot of really close friends in ultra as well. And with all of these things that we take on and battle with and, and just get in the mix on that are so fun, you know, we're physically beating the living hell out of ourselves, but, uh, we never feel that way while it's going on. Yeah. We might be dropping some F bombs and all the other stuff, but you know, when it's over, we instantly forget all of the really bad things that happen out there or the hard things, or, or at least our brain tries to help us block it out. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Otherwise, why else would we keep signing up for this stuff? Right. True. Type two fun. Yes. Yes. Oh, and speaking of the sick. So um, for everybody at home in a normal Abbott year, when we're not in these COVID times that we're all um, suffering through and trying to make the best of it um, in the normal setup of the year, the first three marathons are Tokyo, Boston, and London. And they, for me in 2019, they took place over 48 days. So the first three we're in 48 days. Obviously, a big part of it is you're getting on a plane and flying, you know, for me from New York City to Tokyo, crazy long flight. You're rocking that race. I come back, I run the New York City half 14 days later, and I run a 128 half 14 days later. My friends are like, you're running the half. I'm like, I'm not missing the New York City half. Come on. And then, you know, it's like a maybe two weeks after that is Boston. And then between Boston and London is 13 days. And you're flying back again, from stateside to there. So the body is going through a lot. Um, and there's also the emotional things that we go through. You know, when you do an Ironman, when you do a 50-mile ultramarathon or a 100-miler, there's this huge ramp up. You know, our training, we build up, we get excited, we hit the crescendo, we do the race, but then it's like, okay, there's the other big piece of this stuff, nutrition. How are we taking care of our body? What's going on in the inside? So for me, I know I can speak to what I was going through. Like I was using my foam roller like a madman. I've got my Normatec boots, which it's a nightly appointment with me, my Normatec <laughs> boots and my dog sitting at my feet wondering what's going on with the machine, pumping the air up and down. <laughs> yeah, but we can do these things to help are the outside of our body or how we're feeling on the outside. Our niggles, our things that are going on. We're getting it on the table. We're going to get ART done from our Cairo. Um, maybe we're doing some physical therapy if we're addressing some weaknesses. But the big black hole, the thing that people pay almost no attention to is what the hell's going on in the inside? So, you know, for me... I had friends who are like, dude, you're 58, man. You're gonna A, you're gonna kill yourself. What are you doing? You're crazy. This is nuts. And I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, this is crazy, like amazing crazy, like once in a lifetime crazy. And who would know that after COVID, it really was gonna be like the end. Like there wasn't even gonna be a chance to race. So what I did during that period, Stevie, was I um I did, I think, three tests over that period of time. And for what I was most worried about is because I can feel my body. I'd know if something was wrong. I'm getting worked on regularly. I wanted to know what was going on on the inside. What's my blood work look like? What were my cortisol levels like? All that travel, all that flying, all the booking time to have my dog taken care of while I was gone and work obligations and all the things that were juggling and shuffling when you're trying to get to the line to do an Ironman or I'm trying to show up to run Berlin or one of these races. Like, 
it's a tremendous load of stress, right? So there is one of the big things that I was tracking and, and taking a look at. And for me, seeing that blood work and looking and knowing that my cortisol levels were in the normal range, I was like, see, I'm not as crazy as people think. I'm actually okay. Uh, and then I was also tracking like my B12, my D, my magnesium, uh, I'm trying to think potassium, you know, the, the kind of the normal things like what do you what would you say are the most common group of things that like endurance athletes are paying attention to? Yeah, you name a, a big number of them. Uh, but cortisol, uh, vitamin D is a big one, as you mentioned, magnesium, particularly looking at that magnesium with some red blood cell magnesium um, to see how the magnesium stores are actually like, are you is your body depleting them? Or are they at, um, you know, an optimized range or level? Other big things are ferritin. That's the stored form of iron. It's really going to give you, give us an accurate picture of iron status. Of course, this is usually a bit bigger of an issue uh, with female endurance athletes, again, because monthly blood loss. But I do have or have worked with some male runners who have been on the, a little bit of the lower ends of the ferritin. And of course, um, you know, so important in oxygen transport. I mean, at this point, so I've been an inside tracker user even before I worked for inside tracker. So I've been using inside tracker since 2016. And then I joined the team, um, in 2018. So I used it through a lot of my Ironman journey, but now I'm at that point, like last, um, October, I was hiking some of the high peaks in the Adirondack mountains, um, in, in upstate New York, up in the North country. And, uh, we were doing a couple of the high peaks, they were the air quotes, easier high peaks. Uh, but I was like, I was with some of my girlfriends and I was like, wow, I'm getting really winded. Like, you know, I hadn't been training as much cause I had retired from Ironman, whatever. And I was like, I shouldn't be the, I'm not that, I'm not that out of shape. Right. Um, so I came back and I did an inside tracker test and my ferritin had dropped to 12, which is very, very low. Um, you know, my optimal zone is, is much higher <laughs> than that. Uh, so that's, that's another big one that I see. And then inflammation markers. And as you mentioned, um, especially with all of the travel and like doing that many races back to back, one of the things I'm thinking is, oh, white blood cell count, you know, how is your immune system being impacted? Because of course, you know, there's a ton of factors that go into it, but, you know, there is a lot of research, you know, one of the things after you do a race, such as a marathon, you know, the risk for upper respiratory infection and in marathon runners is significant, you know, any kind of major race, even if we're trained for it is going to, you know, impact your immune system a little bit, depress it a little bit. Then you throw in, like you said, the other things, the travel, the strange sleeping arrangements. Um, so that's another thing that, um, you know, especially also during different training cycles that I have a lot of my endurance um, athletes look at just to see like, okay, are we really allowing our body to recover? Or are we going to do more harm than good trying to chase down that fourth marathon in 48 days? And of course, you know, each individual, <laughs> that's their own choice to make, whether they're like, you know, you get the data and say like, okay, this is what's going on the inside, you know, certain markers related to muscle health, you know, those are really elevated. I might say, I recommend that you don't do this, but at the end of the day, each individual's choice, like that whole risk and reward. But like you said, it's, it's better than, than just like guessing and putting yourself in this hole where, you know, 
maybe for X months, you can run 60 to 80 miles a week with, you know, no recovery and you're fine. But if you're not, like you said, hitting, checking those other boxes with recovery, with nutrition, with sleep, et cetera, at some point, that's very likely going to catch up with you. And you're going to put yourself in this huge hole that it's going to be very hard to dig yourself out of. Love it. So well said. Um, and there's a bunch in there to explore further. Um, because A, we can take too much of things in terms of supplementation. We're trying to get things right. You pointed out something I talk about in, on my show a lot is that women have to really monitor the ferritin cl more closely, and it's a real issue for them. Um, vitamin D levels, people are getting repeated stress fractures. A lot of times their diet is really poor. You know, maybe even they have an eating disorder and they just haven't come clean with it or faced it. Um, but you can, these kinds of things become more available or, or it's more in your face like, whoa, okay, this is a real issue here. Um, and we need to be aware of it. And for somebody like me, I have celiac, right? I have many, many friends who have Crohn's or they have IBS or they have celiac like me, like, or diabetes or you name, you know, whatever group you fall under that's out of the normal, like mainstream, you know, people that are out there that are lucky enough to not have to manage any of those other things on top of their training load and how we, you know, pr can process and how our body can process and break things down. For example, like a celiac person, man, one crouton gets into your salad and then you are just, you're game over. It's that's over. why you're worried. That's why you're worried about B12. I was like, does he not eat animal products? But now you say the celiac, I'm like, oh, okay. Absorption issues. Makes sense. hundred <laughs> percent. And you know, even when you know places where you're dining at, cause you brought this up, you're getting on a plane, you're traveling. Well, that's the big thing. You know, going to Tokyo is amazing. I love Japan. It's probably my favorite country I've ever visited, but when you're eating in all of these other countries, A, you have language issues. B, you know, even with the best efforts, people don't maybe understand at all what the word for celiac is. In Italian, I can say it. In other languages, I can say it. But do they really understand that you actually have celiac and you're not just eating gluten-free like somebody decided they're going to go on the South Beach diet or they're going to, you know, go on the caveman diet or they're going to follow this plan because the wind blew and somebody said, I should try <laughs> this. And yes, this is going to work for me. And now I'm going to qualify to go to Kona. And, you know, I'm going to run my fastest marathon ever because Sally said so. Unfortunately, Sally doesn't have your creds. Sally doesn't work at Inside Tracker. So I'm not really going to go with what Sally said. I'm going to do a little more research. Um, but for those of us that have these underlying other conditions to deal with, Again, it's a huge plug for Inside Tracker for myself. It tells me what's going on. And what I love about it is if your levels are off, right? When you go to your normal doctor, maybe a cardiologist even for a stress test, and I'm just turned 60, you know, in January. So at, when you're at 50, you're going to be going in for a colonoscopy and a screening. There's milestones in life when you hit these ages where certain tests are going to be done. But blood work at a normal doctor these days, even for an exceptional doctor, you're not getting a full panel. You're not getting anything that an endurance athlete needs to tell you what is going on in the inside, quote unquote, a little air quotes there for, for the non-Zoom uh, participants here. If this thing doesn't make its way to video right away, we don't really know if it's going to be an audio only situation at this point. Um, but the, the, 
the real value to me, the real value proposition is it isn't just telling you, okay, you need to take 1000 milligrams of XYZ supplement. Okay. Because even that, and you could tell this story way better than me. People go and they go to GNC or they go to their food store, Whole Foods or whatever, and they just pick up the very first thing they see. They don't even have any idea. A, it might not even be gluten-free in my case. It probably is, but it might not be. B, is it how available or bioavailable is it going to be? How quickly is it going to get assimilated and processed? But what I always loved about Inside Tracker is it's giving you dietary recommendations. So if you don't want to go the supplementation route, because there's a lot of people out there who really want to eat clean or they're vegan, or they're just really concerned with their diet and they really want to do a better job of managing it. That's what Inside Tracker, that's gold because they're telling you eat X number of servings of spinach. And then if that's not, you're not a spinach fan, which I'm not, by the way. So I'm I'm a little anti-spinach for salads. I'm okay with it. But cooking it and doing all the other stuff oh, most people well, do. Well, it disappears yeah. once you cook it. Yeah. 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 So you'll you're gonna let you're gonna let me slide. Plus it's my I'll pod. It's my I'll pod, so I'll pull the plug if you can't really you can't really <laughs> turn the tables on me. But um what the nutritional component, like speak to that versus the supplementation component let with levels because because again i think one of the things people don't realize either you can be way over on a level just as much as you can be way under and just talk about what the differences for that might be yeah absolutely um and you brought up a great point about you know comparing it to your doctor um the blood work your doctor will order for you and like the big thing you know beyond what you mentioned is that the zones are really designed to take you from good to great you know, your doctors will look and be like, oh yeah, you don't, you don't have a chronic disease or you're like not getting really close to having a chronic disease, which we can get into a whole discussion about that. I don't fault. I don't really fault a ton of doctors for that. That's just kind of how our healthcare system is. It's on the defense where doing inside tracker can put us on the offense, right? I can look at my ferritin and, you know, ferritin, that stored form of iron will drop before hemoglobin. My doctor might only look at my hemoglobin. And at that point, my ferritin might already be eight. And that's where she would say, oh, you have anemia. Um, and then I'm already in a hole. So it's a way that you can kind of take charge of, okay, whether you're feeling fine or you might not, you're an athlete and you're not feeling great, you know, being like, okay, let's check in, see where my levels are and then see what I can do, what actions I can take. And as you mentioned, you, you know, you do have the choice as an individual to say like, I don't want to take any supplements or, you know, maybe I'll do a mix of both, which is usually what I end up doing personally, because like my iron, <laughs> you know, I also have a, I also have um, an autoimmune disease. I have rheumatoid arthritis. So, you know, like you mentioned, paying attention to these biomarkers are even more important, especially having an inflammatory um, chronic disease that can never be cured. It will always be here. So I see it now as a way to a help me keep doing the things that I love running, biking, swimming, um, while still really making sure that I'm checking in, you know, those inflammation levels are so important to me. So there, you know, like the iron thing, I just know part of that is, you know, because of my chronic disease, I'm going to struggle even more with my iron status. So supplementation is a way to go for me on that. And the nice thing is, is that you know, it's not just like, oh, take an iron supplement. Good luck. Um, you'll get the guidance of this is the dose you should take because with iron supplements, dosing really matters. Um, and then also here are some tips for taking the supplement. 
you know, these certain nutrients are going to interact with the supplement. Here's how you can help increase absorption, et cetera, et cetera. But also here's some tips on how to get more iron in your diet diet as well. Um, and, you know, also we have a ton of great articles on all of these things. Um, any recommendation, whether it's diet or supplement, we will give you lots of information if you want to read more. If you want to read the sources of, you know, the peer-reviewed evidence-based research that our science team uses to pull our recommendations, we will, we link to those. You can just click read more and all of that information is at your fingertips. So it also kind of cuts down that noise as, as you mentioned earlier that, you know, it's not just whoever saying, oh yeah, like just try this. It's fine. Um, so they have a very rigor. Our science team has a very rigorous process uh, to review the research and really allow anything to be a recommendation, which is so important, especially with supplements. Um, and then, you know, on the supplement side of things, we do give you recommended brands. And that is also just to help you. Cause like you said, you know, you don't really know what you're getting all the time with supplements. So they went through, um, and looked for third-party testing. You know, there's no affiliation. We don't make any money, but just to help you, um, make some really educated choices to make sure if you do choose a supplement that you're getting a high quality product. Um, but the food recommendations, it's something, you know, even as a dietitian, I've always enjoyed since I started with inside tracker, cause it gets me thinking outside of the box. I mean, I know you're probably just as busy as I am. And sometimes it's like, even though I, you know, you eat well and you make really nutrient dense, solid choices, it's easy to eat the same things over and over again. So I always kind of try and go in and be like, oh, okay, like this is a different whole grain I'm going to try. Or like these are, you know, oh yeah, I need to focus on my unsaturated fats. Here are some other sources. Like I'm just going to try and mix, you know, things up and get a little bit more variety from the foods that way too. Great stuff. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a multitude of seriously valuable information up there available to you uh, for free. Um, it's there. Um, you can see it. And if you become a subscriber and start getting some testing done, you know, and you use their app, there's all sorts of other recommendations that are continuing to come your way um, daily if you want. I know that they hook in with uh, Garmin watches. I use a Koros watch. I'm sponsored by Koros and work uh, closely with them testing products and such. Um, I only have a few really close brand affiliations and Inside Tracker's one of them. Um, I don't take sponsorship for my podcast because I just kind of like to keep it straight up um, and talk about my show and my episodes and just talk about the brands and products and services I truly believe in and use, whether it's equipment, you know, running stuff, clothing, whatever it might be. Um, but there's such valuable information there. And, you know, look, you can get lost, man. You could be like, go down the <laughs> rabbit hole of like, whoa, I don't even know where I'm going. And I don't have degrees in this area. Okay. It's like everybody's decided they know more about, you know, coronavirus and immunologists and scientists and people who've gone to medical school for like 20,000 years. But of course, <laughs> they know more because they read something on Facebook. So, of course, they're more informed and they know way more than anyone else does. So, absolutely. Again, going back, no offense to Sally's in my life that I do know, it isn't aimed at any of those Sally's. But whoever tells you something else, man, do your homework do your research. And again, so you have RA, I have celiac, I have friends who have Crohn's, IBS, diabetes, all these different things. How our bodies process foods that go down our windpipe 
is very different than someone else. And again, a crouton being in a salad or being a, my chicken dish that's grilled being cooked in the same pan where regular breadcrumbs were just in that dish is enough to just cause turmoil inside my body and destruct my alveoli and my inside intestines are getting ripped apart. But more importantly than the discomfort of being over a toilet bowl and throwing up like I just had Montezuma's revenge in Mexico or drank <laughs> one too many shots of tequila, which has happened in real life, by the way, because um, <laughs> we ought to keep it real here on Run Chats. Um, but what's going on in the inside is just only a part of the story. Because when that happens, then all the vitamins and minerals and all the good nutritional value of that meal that you were eating at that moment in time, it's over. It's gone. Your body can't process any of it. It doesn't get stored or broken down properly. So these are the things that happen when you're in these kind of groups. So I just think it's super important for my friends out there that fall into any of these groups like me, or even if you don't, you know, to just take better control and command over your own body, what's going on in the inside and not to be playing defense. I love looking at it that way because I don't wait to show up and say, oh, give me an MRI. I've run 21 days in a row on like a broken leg. Um, although I did run 60 miles on the stress fracture, but you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, because it was fundraising for Tommy Ribs and I, I had to had to get it done and it was on my birthday. So it had to be done. Um, but that was really from a fall. It wasn't an injury. And the interesting thing is if I had had a serious seriously uh, problematic vitamin D situation and been monitoring that, you know, I might've been able to prevent getting a stress fracture, right? If it weren't in my case, this was from a hard fall where I just smashed my knee. It was in the dark running late at night and, you know, I'm very stubborn. So I had made that commitment to do that run on my birthday for him to raise money. And it was so cold. It was the coldest day of the winter that it got numb right away and I really couldn't feel it. And I made it through the run. I have no idea how. Um, we all get to have hopefully at least one David Goggins moment in life because I'm a big Goggins fan. So that kind of was mine. Um, but then coming out of that on the other side, you know, it was four months. You know, you don't have a stress fracture in your knee. It's not one of these things you see people in a boot and, you know, three weeks later they're running or they're in the pool. Look, man, you you deal with all this stuff. You've got every kind of athlete and inside tracker deals with every kind of athlete. There are injuries like that that are, they're not really long and they're probably really good for us. We get a little break. We go in the pool. We ride a Peloton bike for a while. And that's like, hey, man, I miss running or I miss cycling or I miss climbing or I miss whatever my quote unquote activity is. In my case, it was four months. Okay. And let me tell you something. All my friends just said, oh, you can never gain weight. Your metabolism is so fast. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 60. I gained 24 pounds, man. I, I've weighed the same weight since high school. When you can't run for four months, you will gain weight. Okay. And of course, eating milk duds and Cheetos every day was probably not the best food choices, um, but they are gluten-free. factor into it. I'm just <laughs> Yeah. It could have, it could have, but I mean, at least it was gluten-free. So we had that going for us. So I wasn't like totally like spamming my body. Um, so that's kind of mineral supplementation and we don't have a lot of time to work with today. So I'm going to try to keep us in and out on uh, targets quickly here. That's like one very valuable piece of the equation. Like what's going on in the inside, you know? D is going to help us prevent, you know, stress fractures and things like that and make sure that we're healthy. Iron levels, super critical. For me, cortisol, I wanted to know what my stress levels were like getting on and off those planes, traveling, eating all this different food and being a celiac person. Was I, you know, having other things like crop up? I navigated it all. I made it through. I averaged 315 per marathon at 58 years old. 
all of those races for anybody at home who was ever thinking about doing this, I was never more than a minute and a half apart in these races, three and 35 days, three and 49 days. So people think you can't take on really hard, demanding challenges like this, but I've been training my body for a few years physically. I'm not talking about this inside tracker health component, but I've been training my body. I've been running four marathons in a year. I'd run five marathons in a year. I'd run ultras alongside those and building my body up. Distance running is good for me. I'm okay with it. My body is okay with it. Um, where people get into trouble is when they step way outside their comfort zone. They've run one marathon in the year and now their friends are doing four. Or they want to get the six-star major medal that I have over there on the other side of the room and they think it's really cool. And it is really cool, by the way. But meanwhile, they've never run more than one marathon in the year. And now they're signed up to run four and they're going to run them in four weeks. And it's like, ooh, cue the car crash sound. Because something bad is probably going to happen. So if you're thinking of doing this and you're not prepared, you don't have a coach who's been like monitoring your training and getting you ready for what's going to come from the physical side of this, I hope that at least on the parts of the conversation where we're going to go to next, you're going to be able, at least able to put some thought into what are you going to do to make the rest of that experience good? Okay. What's your nutrition plan? What are you going to be eating to try to stay as healthy as you can between these events as you're getting on and off planes and you're racing and coming out of a race state recovery and getting back up and doing another race. And then B, you know, besides the nutrition piece, what's your fueling plan going to be? Uh, because what I find is a lot of um, maybe beginner to intermediate marathoners that are super excited and they love the sport and they have such a passion for it. And maybe they're even listening to my pod, by the way. So shout out to all of you. Um, but what are you doing in those other areas? What's your nutrition plan? Are you practicing your nutrition plan? Are you literally going out on your long runs and taking your Morton gels with you or your 160 or 320 drink? Or if you're a goo fan or you're, you use gummies, I don't care what you use. We all have our sensitivities in our stomach. But if you're not practicing it on every single mid-long run and long run between now or cycling, you know, if you're from the Ironman camp like Stevie Lynn, are you doing your long runs? Are you practicing your fueling nutrition? And I don't just mean out on your century ride. I'm talking about what are you eating the night before? What are you having the morning of? Same thing goes marathon day. What are you having that night for? Are you going out with a bunch of your friends and partying and, you know, you're just wolfing down pizza and drinking a bunch of beers and then you get up the next morning and you're like, oh, I'm a little hungover. I got a race to do. So let's try to tackle those two because I know we don't have as much time today as we normally do. So let's talk nutrition in terms of like what people want to be eating or what things, what are good things to eat, let's say for anybody, whether they're a vegan, me, a celiac person, whatever, uh, maybe like the night before, you know, in between like races, let's say, and then obviously like fueling and how to approach fueling. And we can talk about how you approach it and maybe how I approach it. And that maybe, maybe we'll wrap after that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you said, fueling is unique to everybody. Um, you know, depending on the distance of the race, that will kind of change how I approach both myself, but also with my clients. Um, not just the day before, but like a couple days before, especially if we're talking Ironman, marathon. Um, and it, again, also depends on the individual. Some people can't do like a really large, large dinner. So we're spreading more of our carbohydrates out through throughout the week and really focusing on kind of that, that carb load concept over a few days. Um, 
typically what I do is I have my large dinner two nights before my race and a large breakfast the day before the race. I still eat the day before the race after breakfast, but it's definitely just tapering off the volume of food that I'm eating. Uh, Part of this is because I love pancakes. Don't worry, I still eat pancakes all the other times, not around a race, but I usually do a large pancake breakfast the day before um, and do that as my last kind of big meal. Because especially if I'm talking about like Ironman fueling, which is kind of my focus, I'm eating breakfast like three and a half hours before the race starts. And those things just kept getting earlier and earlier. So usually age groupers start at 6.30. So that means I'm eating breakfast at 3 a.m. So a big plate of pasta or rice, et cetera, at six, you know, six, seven o'clock. And then you got to turn around and eat at 3 a.m. Not really something that a lot of people... <laughs> even myself could do. Um, but again, you know, if it's a shorter race, you know, dinner the night before might be fine. Obviously, you know, I always tell people like, don't do like the office episode where he gets the big bowl of fettuccine Alfredo and like runs a 5k like an hour later. (laughs) But again, you know, for each individual, I find foods that work for them. We space it out sometimes over a longer period of time. Um, and just looking at, you know, some of the things like starting to cut back on fiber and fat, especially that day before those things are great because they slow down digestion all the other time, not great, (laughs) super close to an event. Um, definitely something also to minimize on race day. But as you mentioned, a lot of what I see is that that people don't train their gut, right? You have to train your gut to tolerate whatever fuel you're using on race day. You know, there are a number of factors, you know, the intensity of exercise and just the act of exercise itself changes how our body uh, will break down and digest and use food. You know, your body isn't going to prioritize sending blood to the stomach to break down food. It's, it's really prioritizing the working muscles. So that's why things like sports fuels are created because they're very easily digested. So your body doesn't have to work that hard to break it down and get the energy out into the bloodstream. So, um, and of course, everybody's different. So when I look at fueling for an athlete, I'm looking at, you know, the event distance, you know, the, the age, the sex, the size, the intensity of the activity, um, And then, you know, when I'm picking, you know, what we're going to use in the fueling plan, I'm looking at the carbohydrates. Uh, What type of carbohydrates? Do we have multiple types of carbohydrates? Are we getting enough carbohydrates per hour? Looking at sodium and looking at fluids as well. Those are are the three big three um, that I look at for, you know, athlete fueling plans. But yeah, a lot of people just try to like, they're like, oh, well, I can't drink Gatorade Endurance. Like, I just can't do it, you know? I think back to, like, when I started Ironman, I did my first one in 2012. And I was, like, 22, still in dietitian school. Um, and I was like, I literally had no options. Like, there were – I'm sure you can relate. There were not that many sports fuels. It was like, okay, you learn to drink the Power Bar Performance because that's what's on course, and you like it. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we have lots of options, but – you know, a lot of people just, they have an experience where they don't train with Gatorade endurance and then they go out and do a half Ironman or Ironman and try to drink like six, seven, eight bottles of it during the day. And yes, if you haven't done that while exercising at half Ironman or Ironman intensity, 
it's probably not going to end well. Um, you know, I always remembered, I would always take out an off season, usually do about a month off in between um, each of my Ironman seasons. And even those first couple weeks, just getting back into the base building and like back into the fueling that I'd be on my bike trainer. I'd be like, Ooh, like this Gatorade doesn't taste that good. And it, t- it took a little time for my stomach to readjust, but we got there and we did it. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's lots of things <laughs> that I see people do with fueling that I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if that's a great idea, but Love it. So let's go step back. You, you gave a bunch of good conditions there. I also think weather is a big thing. And I'm sure, you know, you know that it is. Maybe you just didn't mention that one. I, I don't think you did. But weather is a big one because our sweat absorption rates vary so greatly, you know, based on our size and our body and our blood chemistry and all the other factors. Some of us just sweat a lot more than others. Some don't. Some sweat more on, on really humid days or drier days. Like we don't know this stuff. We, we don't have the ability like Kipchoge does or other world-class athletes to go in a lab and have somebody tell us exactly like what our glucose levels are, what this level is, what that level is. But if you're not practicing to your point, you know, if you don't drink whatever it is, Morton, Gatorade, Goo, um, any other brand, you pick a brand, it doesn't really matter what it is. If you're not practicing getting that stuff into your gut while you're on the trail running, on the road running, on your bike riding, or even if it's on your trainer, which is right next door to me, I'm pointing over my shoulder, <laughs> then you're not going to be prepared for what happens. And then what happens if it's 100 degrees plus at Western States, like it is actually almost every year. That's not like an unusual yeah. occurrence. That's almost every single year when they get to the canyons, it's a hundred or hundred plus. And it, it, these are the best in my mind. I think ultra runners are on absolute cutting edge with nutrition. I think they're the most dialed in. They have to be. I mean, there's just simply no way that they can do. I mean, I don't remember the guy's name, the Ukrainian guy that just broke the 24 hour world record. But, you know, going back to my own um, world marathon major experience, I averaged 315 per marathon. So that's 726 per mile for people paying any attention at home. This man ran 24 hours of three. 15 marathons. Okay. He ran 24 hours straight at 725 pace per mile. It's absolutely mind boggling. Like what kinds of things people are doing in the endurance community, not to mention Courtney DeWalter, like crushing her UTMB course record by way over two hours coming seventh in the race overall. And then, but on the opposite side at Western States, you had a, a highest number of DNFs ever. Attrition rates were higher, which I think is really more about our COVID times and not being able to race because we get comfortable racing, whether it's doing a, a couple of Ironmans a year or a couple of marathons a year or a couple of ultras a year. And then you take that stimulus away. We're not racing anymore. Sure, we're training, but it's nothing like towing the line at Western States or UTMB or showing up at Ironman Kona. Well, that's a bad example because it hasn't happened for a couple of years now, but showing up anywhere ready to race requires a different level of training. So if you're not out there practicing this stuff now yet, there's still time. Okay. You just, cause you didn't do it during this whole cycle, getting ready for Boston or getting ready for Chicago, maybe, or New York, or in my case, I'm doing London. Also, I'm doing London, Boston, and New York, whatever race is your race. Or even if there isn't one that's an a race, maybe you're just doing a bunch of these, like I was to do a whole series, series of them. They're in a six star. I can still start working on this tomorrow. Okay. Take, 
Take your fuel out with you. Carry a handheld bottle. It's good practice. You'll get stronger anyway, man. Better yet, carry carry two handheld bottles. You'll be more balanced. You know, you'll develop some arm muscles like Stevie Lynn over here. You'll build some shoulder shoulder strength, man. You rock those two bottles like ultra runners, man. And of course, there's a 9,000 different packs available to you as well. I mean, there's so many options, but even if you can't use that stuff on race day, you can still practice with a great nutrition vest or a belt and have all that stuff. And then race day, I admit it gets challenging for us. Okay. Maybe not so much in an Ironman because the stuff's all out there or obviously in a marathon, you know, as Stevie was indicating, you know, Gatorade is almost always going to be the choice. Now you're starting to see Morton is signing. They signed with Berlin. They signed with Boston, but their gels are going to be out there. Okay. Let's not get people. I know people will automatically be thinking they're going to be Morton bottles on the course. Uh, Yeah, that's not going to be happening. Okay. They need to be mixed 500 milliliters with the right pH levels of water to truly create that perfect hydro gel, I'm pretty sure they're not going to have some giant vat of Morton out there and go, here you go in COVID time. So there's only going to be gels. So you got to figure out what you're going to get out there on the course, or are you going to have friends meet you out there? Maybe a couple of bottles along the Boston course and the New York course, or are you, how are you going to manage it? So these are, these are big things to think about. Uh, and what are most of your athletes do, you know, in this regard, like what's, what's their approach normally? Um, it's a mixed bag of people, um, carrying it or, you know, it also depends on the race, right? Cause you know, in an Ironman, uh, you can't take anything from someone, um, off course, like a spectator, that's a violation of the rules. And people might say it's a stupid rule, but it's to like, even the playing field. Um, and that's an Ironman rule. And I play by the rules as every guy who tries to draft off me, I, I, I tell them (laughs) to get off my wheel. Um, so, you know, in something like that, um, most of my athletes, we train with at least some of the on-course nutrition to know that, you know, but they might prefer a different sports drink like scratch. Okay. Well, you can start with X number of bottles on your bike. You can stop halfway, um, at special needs, um, you know, pick up on the bike and on the run and we can put stuff in that bag. But also if something happens and you lose a bottle on the bike, because I see bottles are flying on and off the bike all the time. uh, We need to know that like worst case scenario that we can at least get some of our fluids in, you know, via Gatorade endurance, because that's what's on course and it's a long day. Um, There for different things, like maybe just running an open marathon Uh, I have some people who prefer certain sports drinks, so they use handhelds. So it's, you know, very individualized, but handheld bottles, like you mentioned, and then having family, friends, spectators, you know, if it's allowed, like in a marathon, grab another refill bottle. It also, as you mentioned, depends on someone's sweat rate too. Like some people, like you need a lot of sports drink on your bike. So you know, let's get it, get cracking with Gatorade Endurance because in order to meet your needs, like you're basically going to have to drink this. Um, and you know, the bike in an Ironman is all about setting you up for having an awesome run because if you fall behind on the bike, you can't dig yourself out of that hole for the run. It's impossible. Um, once that, once you fall into that black hole, there, there really is no coming back unless you literally just like hung out 
in a medical tent or an aid station for maybe 45 minutes or something and just literally pulled all your levels back from ground zero. And then to be able to get back into the arena at that point, maybe you could do it and maybe you could finish, but you know, your performance would be shot. So let's talk about salt and salt supplementation in the longer endurance stuff, you know, Ironman, potentially marathon on hot uh, courses, or maybe not even on hot courses for people that do sweat a lot more and lose a lot of salt or ultra, because we know these are big things to try to get right and manage. So how, you know, how do you manage that, you know, as an athlete, if you don't know your sweat, you know, rates and all of that other stuff and haven't ever been tested in a lab, like, cause there's obviously chewable ones. There's so many, you know, different kinds of products that are out there and some of them have magnesium and other things in them. So what are, what are your thoughts on that and managing that? Yeah. So, um, really when we're thinking about electrolytes during, during the race on race day, the biggest thing is that we're replacing sodium loss. Um, you know, if sports nutrition products will contain other electrolytes, but really it's sodium that you're going to be losing generously in your sweat. Um, you know, if someone is a very heavy sweater a very salty sweater, you notice a lot of salt rings on your gear. If you can get the sodium concentration of your sweat tested. Um, I know Gatorade came out with some at home patches that you can do. I'm unsure of how accurate they are. Um, there's also a few other companies that you can do like an actual little patch that um, you mail in to get the concentration. Um, I have some athletes do that. Um, I also have some great little dietitian formulas that I can do estimated sodium loss um, per ounce of sweat. Kind of a, a rule of thumb is, you know, one gram of sodium per hour during prolonged exercise with heavy sweat losses is kind of just a very general um you know, frame that I use if we don't have that data. Um, for the most part, if people are using sports nutrition products, they tend to get almost all of their needs um, from the sports drink. If they're taking enough, most people aren't taking enough of those things anyways. Um, but I do have a lot of athletes also supplementing um, with some of those salt products that you mentioned. Um, again, it just depends also, you know, race day, I have some clients who are racing Ironman 70.3 worlds in St. George, and it's going to be very warm. So, you know, we've adjusted the fueling plan to increase some fluids, get extra sodium in, you know, some shoes have like three times the sodium in them. I have a lot of people use base salts. Um, that product I really like, or Gatorade endurance gator lights. I find, I mean, personally, I enjoy them, but also a lot of people enjoy them over the capsules. Um, cause it's basically like you just lick them and it's actual kind of like granular, um, a, it'll get in, you know, get into the bloodstream a little bit faster, but I also found that like those capsules and pills, like they, they would make my stomach upset with the, the outside because <laughs> I used to use them way back when in 2012, when there was not a lot of options out there. Um, so again, it depends on the person. Um, but most of my athletes are using, uh, some solid products that they get most of their sodium needs met from the sports nutrition product. And then we just add a little bit more in if we need. Yeah. So you're kind of, that's the, for the longest races for Ironmans, uh, for ultras that are 50 miles and longer, it's, um, you know, it's on the job. 
Um, you know, you have to learn. I mean, I, the thing that I think I've learned most from ultra is it's like problem solving. It's that's literally what the race is from the moment you start to the moment you finish. And so is Ironman. It's just, you know, there are different disciplines required. I mean, one is doing three very distinctly different things for your body, but ultra ultra is literally a brain workout from the moment you get on the course, because from how many times you trip and hit a tree root and fall and you're bleeding and to just the, the myriad of things that happen to you, you know, weather, running in the dark, in the pitch black, and all of a sudden your mind just, you you get scared or your cortisol levels go up or all sorts of things happen. You can't manage the same pace because you're not used to running in the middle of the night alone with no sounds or maybe only nature sounds and you're getting a little freaked out. So all of these things impact our performance. But race day, you know, it, somewhere along the way, the athlete kind of has to figure out what's going on, man. You don't want to wait until you're cramping, man, because once you start cramping again, it is so hard to reverse course and pull yourself, you know, kind of back out of the quicksand. It can be done, but most times not with the kind of performance that you're looking for. Um, one question I've really never got a chance to ask somebody with the creds and, uh, you know, levels that you have is why, Coca-Cola is so great for all of us in the ultra world, in the Ironman world, at the end of a marathon, if somehow a Coca-Cola magically were to appear on a table or a friend were to give it to me, you know, my eyes get as big as saucers and I'm just like, it's a Coca-Cola. I'm in the desert. I've won the lottery. Like I know I drink Coca-Cola when I'm not doing marathons and ultras and all this other stuff, but why is Coke such an elixir of life and like so valued by so many, like at the end of uh, races when we're struggling and we're having a rough go. This is the easiest question I've been asked in a long time. It's just pure sugar and caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Both of those things are going to give you a boost right in that moment. You just have to hope that all of the wonderful volunteers really love every volunteer. Let it get flat before you drink it. <laughs> Because I've had that happen before where it wasn't quite flat enough yet that I was like, oh boy, <laughs> a lot of extra gas with, with the carbonation there. But yeah, it's, it's that, that hit of sugar and caffeine. Yeah. It's hard to beat it. And in my case, um, yes, when it's fully carbonated, yeah. I mean, I've had it go through my nose and everything and it flashed me back to being eight years old, with my grandmother telling us not to drink it too fast, drinking soda too quickly, but it never bothered me. I don't care where it goes at that point. You're such a mess in the latter stages of a race, man. And you talked about it. I, when I come back from my long runs in the Northeast heat in the summer, my dog is, goes from being my bestest, bestest friend to like some other level. Cause I'm like a Gila monster, man. This salt. It's literally like it came out of the salt shaker and it's like sticking on my shirt. I know all the spots where it will be before I even have to see myself in a mirror. It's like, I see it here. It's on my arm. It's over here. You know, it's on different parts of my face, my eyebrows. And it's like, yeah, it's the same salt that I have from Whole Foods, man. It's like pink Himalayan salt coming out on the other end. It's crazy, right? All the salt. Yep. There you go. There you go. Love it. So, um, I loved your suggestion too on meal, uh, timing of meal. Cause to me, like you figure that out. Um, it's not rocket science, people. You got to figure out something that you know, that you like, that has the right mixture of what you're going to need to fuel you for your race day. But yes, the single most important thing I've gotten up as early, maybe not three, but three 30 around there. Half the time I'm not sleeping the night before a major race anyway. So I'm kind of stirring and tossing and turning anyway. And 
you know, the things that you can do to help with that. Look, man, don't go taking melatonin and all kinds of crazy shit the oh, night gosh. before a race. <laughs> don't be taking Benadryl or anything else. Cause man, you're going to wake up like feeling hungover and you're going to be like, you know, bumping into things and you don't want to do that. So you're probably not going to sleep well the night before. It doesn't really matter. Get a good night's sleep the night before that. All is good. But Figure that meal thing out. Lay all your clothes out. It is not the time to be hunting around in the morning for your heart rate monitor chest strap. It's not the time to wonder if your Garmin watch is now charged. All that stuff's got to be done, you know, a day before. Lay all your gear out. Have it all out. You know, if you're ordering room service or you brought your oatmeal and your fruit that you're going to add in, is that, I always wonder too, because that's a really simple thing for me just with celiac, like eating a really healthy oatmeal and just putting like blueberries or bananas or nuts or some other things. Is that a good, I mean, honestly, it's never bothered me and I digest it well. Is that a good like couple of hour choice morning for, I'm a big pancake fan as well, but I can't always have that option if I'm in Berlin or Tokyo and I'm in a hotel and, you know, can't get it sent up via room service. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a solid option. It's definitely something that you're going to want to have, you know, a few hours before the race. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, again, the pre-race breakfast and race fueling is so personalized that, you know, and also, you know, during different activities, like that might work great for one of my athletes before they ride for a long time, but if they try it before they run, it does not work. So, um, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but we got a good solid amount of carbs there. and. And, you know, that's of course one of the big things. Yeah. And I also know you have a hard stop, so we're going to, we're going to get ready to roll out of here. Um, but that's such great practical advice on all sorts. Um, I will, um, at the end of this episode, I'm going to read, you know, Stevie Lynn's creds, um, and add it. So you all know how much experience she has, you know, not only in the diet, dietitian, nutrition side, you know, working for inside tracker, but also as an athlete. Um, so, you know, her athletic creds background, et cetera. And I just thought this would be a fun one to share with people getting ready to dip into the uh, world marathon major scene here that's about to go down, you know, starting with Berlin leading us off and culminating with the 50th New York City. We got the 125th Boston. It's exciting stuff. And then I will also share my inside tracker code, which is good for a full deep dive panel for 25% off, which will give you everything on earth that you could ever possibly want. And then after you get that results back, you do have the ability to connect right with an inside tracker person to kind of review everything. Um, you know, so that's something we could look into possibly doing for my, uh, people that I send over. I'll, I'll talk with, uh, my good folks at it and see if we could maneuver something like that just for a few special folks. So anyway, I appreciate you so much coming on Stevie Lynn and listen, man, good luck uh, at your, bro your twin brother's wedding, right? You're getting ready to rock over to Italy and go to his wedding. So I hope it's an amazing, uh, event and experience. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on and spending time with the run chats audience today. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ron. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I hope your listeners learned a little something from this. Oh, no doubt. hundred percent. They will. And, uh, you shared a lot of really valuable practical tips today. So thanks again so much for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Wow. That was so much fun. I really appreciated Stevie Lynn's contributions. Wow. So much experience that she brings to bear, not only, you know, from the nutrition and the diet uh, perspective, but as an athlete, a 10 times Ironman finisher, that's a serious badass athlete you're listening to right there, who certainly has been through the wars as we all have herself. 
uh, from the swim, bike, run side, from the ultra side, trail running side, adventure side, and um, certainly has a unique perspective on what athletes need to fuel in terms of not only what to put in their body, but for mindset and what we need to succeed out there at whatever our arena is that we choose. So um, my only regret is we just didn't have more time. She was getting ready to jump on a plane to go over to her twin brother's wedding in Italy, where she is right now. Um, I definitely am going to bring her back on the show, and we will explore some of these topics further and certainly take on some new ones as well uh, based on whatever feedback we get from the show. So thank you all so much for everyone who continues to share write reviews on Apple Podcasts, all of these steps every week help us get new listeners to the show, which in turn helps us get better guests like Stevie Lynn Smith, who are not only amazingly talented athletes, but also can help us with perspective on nutrition, how to fuel, how to train, how to eat properly, what to do to take care of our bodies with blood work, et cetera. So I hope you all enjoyed so many of her practical tips. I know I did. And, uh, as I say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door. And always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. <laughs>